you can't you have to like talk differently in these mics because mm. it just I don't know makes your makes your voice sound weird and then you think about it too when you're having yeah. the headphones on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it trips me out and I have to take them off. No, definitely. And then there's like whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> it's a great way to start off the episode just some shit falling. So dead I've actually, you know, we've been we've been hanging out quite a bit. We've had a lot of long nights recording some music here in the trailer, yeah. just like messing around with GarageBand. That's that's honestly been so so much fun. Oh just, yeah, no, definitely. I always love I always love messing around with that kind of stuff. But yeah, what have you been up? To, what would you, what have you been up to for like the summer, man? It's it's been, we're almost three quarters of the way through, mm-hmm. almost to our senior year of college. Right. Uh, what have you been doing? Well, like I mentioned on the last podcast, I've been working at NASA at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, mm-hmm. and it's been pretty cool. We've been working on some really cool projects, um, specifically stuff with having to do with uh, the Europa Clipper, which if you just look up, it'll, it's like shows you that it's like basically a, a probe that they're trying to send over to a moon, uh, Jupiter's moon Europa. And they Wait, want it's Europa Clipper? Yeah, yeah. If you just look up Europa Clipper, you'll find it. Yeah, yeah. It's wait, a, wait, when I look up, when I look up Europa Clipper, the first thing that comes up just says Thursday, October 10th. Is that like the launch date? I'm guessing so. Estimated? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, basically they're, they're trying to send this out to, to investigate Europa, which is like an icy moon. And, you know, it has ice, which is water. And uh, supposedly there's moons, or at least one of Saturn's we know probably has a salty ocean underneath the ice cap. So, and what could that mean? Like, well, if you think about it, some people believe, or I guess scientists see that there's a trend that water kind of leads to life, or at least that's the way it has been on the earth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we only have the earth really as an example for how life gets created. Um, but it's uh, the fact that they have like a salty ocean, just like we do, is like, oh, well, there might be a chance that life. Um, exists on I mean that's moons. that's pretty like that's pretty crazy the fact yeah. that they found something with a salty ocean I and mean, that's like the very it's very earth yeah you know and that's very uh, attributed to earth I would think you know yeah no and I mean if they found water like anywhere else I heard they found like water on Mars once right well they something. have yeah at least evidence of water once being on Mars right now they're trying to study the river deltas using the um like the Mars rovers and stuff they're going around also they have the helicopter which I think we might have mentioned uh last time on the podcast um the helicopter itself can't do that much investigation but it's a cool concept the mm-hmm. idea is that we can now explore in the air as well um but yeah they they're they're, they're with at least we were talking about the Europa Clipper. That's going out to just see what's what's going on there and what could be below that ice crust. Um, 
And then there's also the uh, the Mars sample return mission. That's another thing uh, that you could look up if you want to learn more. But it's basically just there's grabbing samples of Mars right now. We're trying to get those back to Earth. I see. So that we can learn a little bit more. Plus, like, if you can get stuff to Mars and back, it's pretty promising, especially if you want to bring humans along. That's crazy, man. All this stuff is so, I mean, it's it's so far in the future, but I mean, it's like, I can only imagine how much work goes into this. Oh, yeah. And this insane. is all saying like 2026. The other one was, I believe, 2024, which actually is not that far into the future. Now <laughs> I think about it. Yeah, I don't know. But it's, it's not it's not 2009. <laughs> it's yeah, 2021. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it's pretty dope. And there's so much work that goes into it. Of course, these dates always get like pushed back or something, <clears> but... Um, but yeah, it, it's really interesting, and uh, it's also really cool to just be a part of it somehow. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, how 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 is that to be a part of something like that? I mean, how does that feel? Because I mean, it's that's that's you're you know, literally dealing with space travel, mm-hmm. and you're like, you know, and you're just the same dude that I've like known my whole life. And it's just like that's crazy that you're a part of that, you know? Yeah. No, how does it, that feel? It it is kind of like its own honor, and I am just an intern, right? So. Um, so, I mean, it's not like You're I'm still doing part it. of it though. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like, you know, the guy that the grip on like a movie is still part of the movie, mm-hmm. you know, it still gets the job done. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, there, there is some really cool stuff that we get to work with. Um, what's interesting is that because you have such a big project and you have so many people working on it, people's jobs are very, very specific for the most part. Mm-hmm. So, um, as long as you can take care of your part then it's kind of like a any other team any other thing where you need teamwork is where everyone does their job as well as they can and then that kind of simplifies it so you have this really intense project where you're going to go very very far away Mm -hmm. to do this crazy science experiments um well though they become very complicated in that sense but once you once you chip it down to everyone's individual job it becomes a little bit more manageable if that makes sense and that's where i'm at i mean like I, they give me separate tasks and I just have to get those things done. And then I see, I mean, it's like, you know, the only thing I can parallel that to, and you, you can parallel it to as well is like when we played football, it was like, that was, that was pounded into our head. Like if each person does that, and that's kind of, I, I've been on a few football teams that also the same thing. Like if each per, and theoretically it works. Mm-hmm. If each person does their job correctly. It's like a well-oiled machine. It'll just work. Oh no, know? definitely. Because I, I did, I do remember when, when the first times when I actually started uh, playing on offense <clears> as a ball carrier, there you knew where you had to run to. But if you had to guess at the moment mm-hmm. where you had to run to, there'd be no way to get there because there is no hole. If anything, there's people in your way and they're yeah. just standing there before the snap. So you have to trust that at some point when you get the ball and keep running, you're not going to run straight into someone. Yeah, no, and that's a lot of trust. You had, you had to trust me and Nico. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know, which, I mean, half the time it worked. No, it really, more than, most, more than half the time. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I got yeah, we, inflated we stats, it. thanks to you guys. Inflated stats, yeah. What, what we, yeah, I remember you mentioned it in the last podcast, but what were your, what were your stats again? Yeah, like, it was like so, some ridiculous Yeah, shit. it was insane, dude. Like, in junior, junior year was over 10, 10 yards per carry. Was my average, and that's the line, man. That's, yeah, that's, that's that, all that's the what, line. That's that's what the that's how you get ten yards to carry. Yeah, I mean that's how you end up getting two thousand rushing yards in high school is because the line gives you a hole that any person that can just move forward can go through. Do you know how what I would give to play a running back? It's a lot. Oh of fun. my gosh, dude! I was just like, you know, I I didn't I have a 
I am a lot more fit to be a running back now than I was then, which mm-hmm. kind of bums me out. I'm like, damn, I wish I could do it. But back then I was just a little too slow and too big. But I got like two carries, I remember, yeah. at the very end of the year. I think fun. I got I had like the the highest uh I think for like statistically mm-hmm. technically I had the highest rushing average of the team for yeah, like the year two great like carries two <laughs> carries for like an average of like n- like 12 yards or something mm-hmm. just cuz it was like a dog shit team. Yeah. I forget who it was but one of those. Yeah, that that teamwork stuff like obviously becomes really evident in team sports. Um I mean, even even like in rugby, you know, it's it's a it can become a pretty fast paced game, especially like if you ever play the variations, like usually you play 15s on full teams, but you can also play with 10 or seven people on each team. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot more running and the the pace is just so much, so much different. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, yeah, so basically (laughs) you kind of have to trust that if you give off a pass, the next person will be there to get it. And of Mm -hmm. course, there's you have to communicate and all that stuff. But the point being is that maybe not in the moment, it seems like it's going to make sense. But once you go through the play, then you're like, oh, I see how it's now going to work. Oh, yeah. Um, And exactly. You just once you get that repetition going, mm -hmm. you know, like we said, if everyone keeps doing their job. Yeah. But that kind of also stresses me out, too. I remember like. I don't know, like whenever I'm dealing with something that I'm like very, very invested in, like I was very invested in football. Mm-hmm. I was very invested in, well, I'm very invested in music and just really anything like that. But I'm always more like whenever I'm dealing with other, like having to trust other people to do their stuff too. Yeah. It's always like a huge stress on me. I much rather like have to deal with like a game, like, like for example, like if I were to be a really good golfer, like I love golf, but I'm not like the best at it. Mm-hmm. But if I were to be a good golfer and like actually participate in that tournament stuff, like that's a game where I'm like only have to trust myself. Yeah. So if I fuck up, it's like it's all on me. I don't. It's like uh, there's no other variables. Yeah. I mean, there is other variables, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm all, I'm always. Uh, but then again, it, it keeps it exciting too. Right. Because yeah. there's always like a. I mean, usually it usually works out for mm-hmm. the better, and if it even if it doesn't work out, there's always something to learn from it. No, definitely. I Man, we we learned from some hard losses, <laughs> some really hard losses. Yeah. I lost finger, not literally, but I lost some some bones in the finger for a little while. Mm-hmm. That was didn't when you got hurt as well, right? Yeah, I uh, I don't know if I mentioned it in the last podcast, but I hyperextended my elbow and it fractured. Uh, the bone down there mm. so basically that just means my elbow bent the other way yeah no that and, sounds uh, horrible yeah horrible i was during a game and <laughs> and then i remember your cast bro it was yeah. like bright green mm-hmm. and you were like all the way up to your shoulder mm-hmm. it was huge the cast was huge because i had Dude. to take my whole arm that 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 sucked but um but yeah, I mean, and then you take it off, and your arms all like atrophied, mm-hmm. and that that was the worst thing for me. I hate because I was like really at that point in my life, I was like so into fitness and like wanting to be like wanting to like maintain being strong and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then when you can't use your arm for you know four or five months, and then you take that thing off, and you're just like a little stick hand. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> it's like ugh, the the dead skin and stuff, and and how itchy it'd get. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Yeah, I can't imagine your yours being all the way to the shoulder, man. <laughs> That's bad. Mine was only to the elbow. Elbow to to they they had to do my whole hand for my one finger, which kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. My whole hand and up to my uh, my elbow. Mm-hmm. But man, dude, I hated that. But 
We've been a full recovery. Yeah. You know, my finger's just really fat now. Yeah, I just sometimes my uh, my elbow because of the pin that it has in it will sometimes click, especially on bench press. Oh yeah, yeah. That's and always scary. Yeah, it, I don't like it. I it's mean, scary. I don't like doing big weight on bench press because when it clicks like that, I feel so weak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. My my so my in my family, my dad's side has like very bad shoulders in particular, just very bad joints kind of yeah. overall, but shoulders in particular. My dad's had like you know two major shoulder surgeries. His shoulders come out all the time. Or they used to. And then my sister now has it too. So my sister just got shoulder surgery to repair like a uh, torn labrum. Okay. And because her shoulders kept coming out, both of them. And it's just like, I'm like, thank God I don't get that right now, dude. It's <laughs> like, it seems horrible. The genes skipped a generation, hopefully. But that's kind of like one of the reasons why I like try to work out my shoulders so much. is just to like fight against that. Right, right. <laughs> God forbid. And then going back to the bench press, I've seen too many videos. Oh, yeah. Too many horrible videos. <laughs> do you remember going, uh, do you remember the, the gym in high school? Uh, like the high school gym? Yeah, like, like we, yeah, the, yeah, just yeah, uh, how much, how much, it was like an absolute just sh- like shit show all the time. Was, the funniest thing was when we had, um, we had weightlifting in PE, <laughs> where we had all our friends in the weight room at the same time. To some, like... It was sort of the same kind of with football, though, because we had a lot of friends in football using yes. the same exact weight room. But weight room was PE, yeah. so that was a little different because you had everyone. Yeah, you had <laughs> everyone there, even the guys that didn't play. And uh, and we had the the sound system in there. Yeah, I, I remember do. messing with that. Oh, man, I remember, I remember banging some music in there, mm-hmm. and the teacher would be getting all mad. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Ah, man. There's there's some there's some teachers from high school that I really want to see again. Oh no, definitely. Oh man, there's some. I mean, some of them I can definitely live without, but there's some of them I really want to see again. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably, uh, I don't know. I just want I just want them to see that I didn't turn out to be like a total screw up. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want I, that's like kind of my thing with a lot of people from high school is that I want to see again just to be like, hey, like I'm okay. Like I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. You didn't lose me. I'm not like like. Completely far gone. Yeah. I still have a decent head on my shoulders. No, that's fair. That's fair. But that's what uh, reunions, weddings, and all that stuff is for. Mm-hmm. To see all those people. But what else have we been doing? Let me think. We, we, we had that little song that you made. Uh, it was, what was that from? Where, where did you originally come up with that little, yeah, that little so, thing? Okay, so... We can link it into this podcast even if you want to... What the like I'm saying like have it play at the beginning or oh, something okay. and we'll talk we'll talk about that after. okay no worries yeah yeah so um that that was just uh, that was just a fun little like chord progression that I was working with at one point and it's nothing uh, it's nothing super complicated actually it's no but it's simple. like it's very simple but the thing is I mean like dude you look listen to a lot of songs. Mm. they're simple and it's yeah. all it is is have to be catchy and then there it is stuck in your head and you kind yeah. of enjoy it <laughs> no definitely and uh i love that thing man yeah so it, it's a lot of fun and i've been having anthony record vocals over it which has been really cool because um vocals just play a big part in what the song becomes and so it's kind of allowed anthony to like kind of also make it his project and um 
And yeah, it's really cool. I, I love the Caribbean influence that it has in it, the the reggae type style. Um, I mean, I love all types of, of Caribbean music, like soca and mm-hmm. reggaeton and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, um, it's just a lot of fun. It's very danceable rhythms. No, I know what you mean. It's like, it's, it's one of the reasons why I love just getting with other like people that do music is because, you know... Anyone who knows me knows I like reggae, but yeah. you ha- you came at me with like the reason I really like the song that you came to me with mm-hmm. was the fact that it had that little spin to it. It mm-hmm. was like a little like I don't know. You said Caribbean, yeah, yeah, yeah a little like, Caribbean spin to it. It was like kind of caught. It caught me like at a difference. I was like, dang, dude, you know this, this stands <laughs> out to what I'm normally. And then you know you, that's another thing about collaborating with someone is you get to like both kind of have your influence on the song so like me i could record my lyrics any which way Mm -hmm. but then they're paired with your song i don't know even you say yeah like you said it's simple but it's it's enjoyable man it's fun yeah no that's just fun to work with someone yeah especially when you have so many great artists uh that came before you that all just like lay out some really really cool ideas that you can then pick up and and kind of run with what do you mean so like for example you have um you have a lot of are you good? All right. Sorry. Uh, yeah, you yes. had to adjust the mic. It's all good. So uh, where was I? I was talking you about... You said, yeah, I asked what, what you meant by that. You said, I have a lot of artist influence, like... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you so you have a lot of... Like, for example, you know, um, we've been talking a lot about, like, uh, Jamaican dub recently, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... Uh, so you have like, I mean, like so let, let's explain because not not a lot of people know what Jamaican dub is. Uh-huh. Like you know, people would just kind of classify it as like reggae if they okay, first yeah, heard yeah, it. But yeah. like, you know, do you have an explanation? Because you're, I don't know, you're you're good with definitions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So basically, uh, dub at this point is just kind of known as the um, instrumental mixes that people would make, and it has a pretty interesting history because originally. Um, well, music in, in, in the Caribbean and in Jamaica specifically has a really interesting history because back in like the 40s and 50s, um, when people had like trucks and stuff, they would fill them up with these sound systems and people that they would call DJs, right? They would go around and um, with turntables connected to their sound systems and they would play uh, R&B hits from the U.S., well, back then, actually, they were called race records. And this is in the 40s and 50s? 40s and 50s, yeah. Wow. So they had these things called race records. Uh, I think by 1949, uh, Billboard finally changed the name from race to R&B. R&B. Yeah. But, uh, but it was, it, it, they would grab those records and um, bring them over and play them at parties on their sound systems. And then um, they started also doing their own local artists after a point. And that's what eventually led to ska. And then um, after ska, oh, wow. yeah, it developed into like a slower rhythm. And when they started slowing it down. Wait, so, so ska was the slower rhythm? No, no. Okay. Ska was like the original mainstream Jamaican pop music yeah. of the 1950s and 60s. I see. And then after that came rock steady. And then after, and with rock steady came reggae. I see. So, um, and reggae obviously ended up coming back. Well, originally, it had some influences from the American South, right? And then it I, went. I had no idea. Okay. <laughs> so, from the American South, like what? Like what? What kind of music? So uh, that is what like people blues? back then. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. 
And that's where those types of simple chord progressions came from. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And then then those ended up came, coming to Jamaica as things that people would play at parties and stuff. Then what decade is this? Sorry to interrupt you. No, no worries. So at this point, we're probably talking about like 50s and 60s. 50s, right? 60s. Because okay. at that, that, that is when, uh, that's when you're talking about in America at that time, a lot of the predominantly mainstream music was... Um, was like Elvis in the and then later on in the uh, 60s, 63, 64, 65, you're talking about like the Beatles and stuff, eventually the Beach Boys. But all of those, um, but then in the in the Caribbean, they were adapting to their own type of mainstream music, which then became reggae. Um, but my point is, we were talking about dubs. So my my idea here is that there was people in the studios, like at places like. Um, Man, what is it? Uh, in Kingston, um, it's like, is it? Ah, man, I'm blanking so hard. It's like, uh, it, I forgot the studio that King Tubby used Let to see. work at. Let me see. Just, just look up King Tubby Studio. But my uh, laptop is so I think it's like treasure damn hot Island, right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. But uh, Waterhouse neighborhood of Kingston. No, no, no. But what was his record? Uh, oh. it, the place he worked at, the record studio. It was in in Kingston, Jamaica. Um, man, I don't know why I'm blanking on this so hard. But basically, the point is that studio uh, name. Yeah, Waterhouse Studio. Okay. Anyways, he he originally he originally was he he was this uh, famous producer who was originally tasked with making the B side uh, of singles as instrumentals. So uh-huh. he would just strip the vocals, and then. Um, and just make these instrumentals. But what he realized is that taking out these vocals and just getting the instrumentals on their own, he could do some really cool stuff and give it its own twist. So that's when dub came in, which is where you have, like I said, these mixes of instrumental reggae pieces. So you would have these really, really, like they would take everything in like sound effects of the time and take Mm -hmm. it to the max. So that's why when you listen to some old dub, it's you get some crazy sounds. That you exactly, hear. You and it's some... super cool. It's just it's almost like just hearing. I don't know. There's like a meme kind of that goes around with like the the music meme pages of just like being in your room making like looping some spacey shit, mm-hmm. like spacey sounds. Yeah. You know? yeah, that's literally what it is. But no, it sounds yeah. awesome, man. It is, and they actually had like these machines. Like they were really into gear at that time, supposedly. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, I, I obviously wasn't around at that time, but supposedly they were really into like this really cool gear because they didn't have things like these digital audio interfaces, like, for example, for uh, for like um, those like those famous workstations that people use, like Logic and Ableton mm-hmm. and Fruity Loops and all that stuff. Right. Like so a lot of the stuff that they were doing was working with just raw audio signals and they would get really creative. Like, I think the most famous part, one of the most famous things about dub is like those gnarly snare hits yeah where they just sound like someone smacking a mic exactly yeah and i think i I mentioned it earlier um to to you before the podcast about how they would actually have these machines that had these metal coils and they would play them play the music through those metal coils and the reverberation like how do they play music through metal coils like they literally have the the speaker in front of coils? That's a good question. I don't know the exact internals, but they actually had metal coils going through the, <clears throat> the, the piece. So these were so these were these were these were pieces that were sold as like audio equipment to like home systems. I see. But the thing is like these DJs in Jamaica would bring them along with them 
for their sound system both in the studio and then also like people would have literally they would fill their trucks with speakers and yeah. turntables that's so dope and they would have and they would just use filters so that different parts of the music would go like to the sub or to the mid-range speakers or to the tweeters mm -hmm. basically it would give it like a whole like a wall of sound yeah a whole which, new a new form of amplification yeah. kind of of mm -hmm. certain is it kind of like equalization in a sense i guess like, i mean like, like making bringing you know out the bass bringing out the mid-range yeah they they wanted to ex supposedly they wanted to exaggerate a lot of this stuff just to make it super trippy super cool like something yeah. completely different and uh and that's what they loved was experimentation and uh, and that's where you get these things where they would take these metal coils that would supposedly cons like they were advertised to have concert hall reverb. Yeah. So it so it would basically like, for those I don't know if reverb is oh, basically it's so much fun to fuck around. Yeah. With, just well, like do, to do people like what what would you describe reverb as? Reverb is like it's basically like if you were to stand in uh, for example like an old brick church or like old stone church like mm -hmm. if you ever went to like san francisco in one of those big catholic churches or like anywhere with like a big cathedral yeah with a giant room tall ceilings and you were to yell how your voice kind of carries throughout the whole thing that's mm -hmm. i don't know that's what i would describe reverb as yeah yeah basically yeah you're just it it, it gives the music a lot of space so basically mm -hmm. they would, what they would do is to exaggerate even more and specifically king tubby uh just um him being one of the guys to really start this off, he would actually take the 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 springs, and when the snare would hit, he would shake the spring super hard to give it even a harder punch. And it sounds Damn. that's why it doesn't even sound like a snare. It sounds yeah. more like a like, like a this click. weird yeah like this weird metallic smack. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah. Uh, that stuff ended up being really really popular in obviously the genre of the jamaican dub uh and then of course reggae and stuff um also tape delays were super big so uh, because back then they would use magnetic tapes to to record music right? yeah like they didn't have a hard drive on yeah and they computer. would have like a they would have a record head and they would also have a playback head mm -hmm. and if they and then by by there by actually changing the physical distance between those heads you could get Delay so what do you mean by on. a head? Like you're gonna have to explain this. Okay, I'm not yeah, really yeah. Sure, how that I, shit works. No, I understand. So the so there's so there are magnetic tapes that that would that would basically carry in the audio, and there was mm -hmm. a record head that would record the audio that's coming in onto the tape, and there would be a playback head that would play the music back. Oh, I see. I yeah. see. I and see. then that delay between the two mm -hmm. would cause like a, a delay effect. To take place. A and delay this was like an echo. So yeah, some people don't really know what delay is, but it's okay. like an echo. An echo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It sounds like an echo because you're just getting the signal back just a little bit later. And that became very popular, not just in dub, but also Elvis Presley used it mm -hmm. a ton. The Beatles used it a ton. Everyone used yeah, it a ton. It became, yeah, it became mainstream to yeah. use it. But... Um, but obviously it was a big thing. I mean, it's needed now. If you have, I mean, any song you listen to, there's a little bit of delay in there. Mm -hmm. There's a little, there's a little bit of reverb in there. A song, a sound, a microphone would sound horrible with no, no amount of reverb. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you know, don't hear just dry flat. signals. Yeah. Yeah. You just sound like, like a piece of paper. Yeah. But then I'm looking here, dude. And it says King Tubby was shot dead outside <laughs> of his home. Dude, like that's crazy. Yeah. And apparently his career was cut pretty short. But he brought a like, I mean, he completely changed the entire game. Mm -hmm. That's, it's a crazy thing to learn about this stuff because it's, uh, you know, I, I listen to 
the fir- probably let me think. The first time I ever listened to reggae music, I can re- I can remember it because it, it was only like a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I was probably seventeen. I mean, I you know I had heard Bob Marley and stuff like all like the the like mainstream stuff, or quote unquote mainstream. But <clears throat> the first time I ever like really heard reggae for myself, mm-hmm. I was just like randomly like just like walking throughout my neighborhood. I was just like bored one day or something, and I was on Spotify. And this one song by I've never even heard another song by this band, but it's called they're the band called the Irish Souls. Okay, it's I've never even Irish heard another Souls. song with the other other than this one song called like Blaze Up or something like that. Okay, yeah. And uh, I was just like, huh, I've never really listened to it again. I listened to it, and like at first, it didn't. It was one of those things where like the first time you listen to it, it doesn't even really take to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't even really think anything of it. And then it's like I was walking back, and then. Uh, it was in, you know, my, that was back in my spot if I was only a few songs, so the shuffle played it again. Right. And so then I listened back to it and instantly just, like, fell in love with reggae. Mm-hmm. And I was just, like, something about, something about, like, the simplicity mm-hmm. of just, you know, the the second and fourth beat rhythm type right, of Right, yeah. You know. The, Skank rhythms, yeah. The, there's certain just distinct things about it. That, you know, I love every other type of music as well. I mean, just about every other type of music. There's really not... Now with my recent introduction into kind of like techno, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really like that much still, but it's mm-hmm. like sort of getting me. Right. I don't know why. Some weird, some weird thing. It's but. just, yeah. For me, it's just rhythms. I love, I love. That's what it is for me too. Yeah. I love just, I, it doesn't even have to be complicated, but just like really good rhythm grooves are really cool. The combination of drum and bass um, mm-hmm. on any song um, is just a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, I was never even, like, as a kid growing up, I was never even really that interested in being, like, like, I was never really interested in being any sort of, like, uh, I don't know if lead is the right word, but I guess, like, for example, in, like, a guitar form, like a lead Mm -hmm. guitarist, Yeah, I was always attracted to rhythm. I mean, drums was the first thing I ever learned, like, I guess learned is, like, I messed around with the most and kind of eventually got. Mm Mm-hmm. Then came guitar, but I never really was interested in like soloing mm-hmm. and all that. I'm still I, I, I enjoy it when you know I try to learn it just for the sake of like knowing how to play guitar in that way. Yeah. But I've still always been a rhythm a rhythm guy. Or bass was mm-hmm. really big when I was a kid. Like I was always super like attracted to the bass. Yeah. And then uh, singing is the only thing that I really do that's more like lead centric but even then if you listen to my singing it's kind of rhythm yeah. rhythm centric no definitely know? which i really that's why you know the band the kind of reggae bands are really like you know like mm-hmm. slightly stupid mm-hmm. they're same thing they're uh i've noticed i know it's not like i i like subconsciously copy stuff you know what i mean I right, subcon- yeah. and that's kind of what you do as a musician i feel like you subconsciously copy those who you like you know yeah so like i did that with pearl jam i've done that with Slightly stupid, sublime, yeah. You know, anything, anything I listen to. Yeah, that's why some people say like, if it sounds too good to be true, it's probably been done before. Dude, that's literally I ask myself that every time I come up with something cool. Yeah. Every time, every time I'm like, oh, this is awesome, and then I'm like, it's probably been done before. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I mean, people get away with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I remember one of the things I loved doing was I really like dissecting why like certain music. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I would actually want to know like what makes this music more attractive to me. Yeah, like, and so that's why I was really into like discovering the the similarities between music that I enjoyed, and usually it came down to the rhythm. Mm-hmm. So um, 
so for example, you have a lot. So like I told you, I, I, I do enjoy a lot of Caribbean music. And one of the things that they have in common is that they all have different twists on uh, either like Dembo style West African rhythm. What, okay, what's Dembo style? So like, so... Sounds like a martial art form. <laughs> so uh, the in the in a typical Dembo rhythm, like it's like... I don't, there's weird spelling. So there's D-E-M-B-O or D-E-M-B-O-W or stuff like that. Yeah. But basically the first two bars of like the of the most popular rhythm is what now has become reggaeton. Hmm. So it's... It, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Bass four on the floor and then you have those accented Every single snares. song. Yeah, exactly. Every single song. And it's yeah, it's, it's Yeah, because... I mean, if you were to listen to global pop music today, yeah. like on Spotify or, or Apple Music or whatever you use, you can't escape it. Like, no, you, it's you, literally, it's like literally everywhere. Every single genre. Or yeah. Not, like, not every genre, but it's escaped just... I can't roll my R's, but reggaeton. <laughs> it's, it's just escaped that, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's, it, I, I, because it, it kind of adds just like a... Uh, it adds a certain flair to a mm -hmm. song for lack of a better term yeah. you know what i mean so it's like a especially for music that's made for like parties or clubs or something it gives definitely. it danceability definitely yeah you can't have a sad song with no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so yeah that uh plays on on those types <laughs> of accented rhythms have become really really popular like so popular that you now have them especially like in afro or afro beats which now like is is this very broad genre of west african um music and which has now also become popular in places like the uk and even in the us and stuff mm -hmm. like that um the those types of rhythms you can also hear them so what, like what what kind what's the sound of that like i could there's no so way i could even like they're like, i'm like, like what like, i mean that they're really <laughs> similar they're basically the same is like so you like Oh, I see. And that see. that right there could be could you know there's a lot of Afro songs that all fall under that rhythm or all utilize those accent yeah. marks. That's interesting. Um, yeah, and that's cool. They're they're really yeah they're really fun. Um, and yeah, the it's it's just interesting to see where where it all comes from. I mean, even even Bollywood, you have Bollywood music picking up these rhythms, dude. When we uh, sorry to cut you off, but no, no when, when me and me and Dom, we've talked about this place called Taj in okay. Chico. It's a lo it's the local Indian restaurant. Okay, delicious food for one. If anyone's in Chico, you got to give Taj your business and get that oodles deals eight dollars for two entrees, rice and a dessert. I'm all for it. I'll I'll plug them without even them paying me. You're making me but, hungry, dude. I I know me too. I got some Thai food in the fridge ready to eat. Oh wow. Anyway, um. So Taj always has this this TV in the corner, and you know you have to wait like five or ten minutes for your food. No, they always have uh, like Bollywood music or mm -hmm. Indian music, or I don't know what what I would necessarily the genre I would call it. Right. But it's like I mean, dude, it's the same same thing you're saying. Like I could see those rhythms carried over from so many different genres, all kind of making their way to really everywhere. Yeah. No, definitely. It's it's so interesting because and it's really you, cool music. You have. Uh, a lot of that, a lot of that rhythm in influence going into like so. I, I don't know if I mentioned it in the last podcast, but both my parents are from Colombia, mm -hmm. so a lot of the music that even they listen to 
growing up, a lot of the music they've shared with me and a lot of the music that I've heard from the country, just that you get on Spotify or whatever, also has these <laughs> rhythm influence. Obviously, huge reggaeton is going to be huge. Mm -hmm. But even like other forms like cumbia and, um, and vallenato, these other genres of music that are popular in the country all have those same type of rhythm elements that people really, really like, mm. which is so cool to me because, like I said, I love to dissect why I like this music. I love to dissect why other people like this music. Mm. And it's interesting to find these similarities that just pop up. And then there's people like that know a lot about these rhythms, these producers and stuff. And that is why they're able to make hit after hit after mm -hmm. hit. Because they, it's like following a formula almost. It really is. It's it's very interesting, and I think the funniest thing is even knowing it, I still enjoy it. Oh like, yeah. Like even knowing that that wow, I I, I feel a five chord coming. So I, I feel a little. What I mean by five chord, I feel some tension in the music. Yeah. And I know it's gonna resolve itself yeah. into a chorus. Like, yeah. yeah. It's totally predictable, but it's so satisfying. <clears throat> like when, exactly. When you, you can gotta, hear it a million times. Oh yeah. You know, it's something like uh, <clears throat> something like dub, which is extremely repetitive. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's extremely repetitive for the most part. Like you're getting like you're not really getting like a huge variety within the song of like melody mm -hmm. because it's not really melody centric. Right. It's very focused on the rhythm. But at the same time, even though it's so repetitive, there's like, you know, there's little little stuff here and there changing it up but for the most part just those resolutions and just how it feels like satisfying almost yeah. is enough to keep you listening to a four minute song of essentially the same yeah. thing oh it's, it's it's truly fascinating same I mean, thing with like a lot of electronic music mm -hmm. you know which like i mentioned before wasn't i've never really been a huge fan of but now i have like a come kind of getting more of an appreciation for it it was all after I was working in Phoenix okay. for my parents. Yeah. This, this was like a month ago. Actually, yeah, it was about, almost exactly a month ago. Working in Phoenix, I mean, it was like 115 degrees every single day, so I was just mm -hmm. hating life. And every day I, I would, uh, I would basically, my job was just move furniture, like from a, from a truck into houses and unbox it and build it. So the whole time I could listen to my AirPods and stuff. And I was listening to the podcast the whole time. But after a while, you just get tired of hearing people talk. So then I'm like, okay, like, let me just try something that I've never listened to before. And I tried like this random like European drum and bass music. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the most like out, I mean, if anyone who knows me, mm -hmm. they, I'd never listen to anything like that. That's yeah. like the most, the most like not Anthony music ever. And I was right. just like, fuck it, I got to try. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm like hella into European drum and bass music, dude. I made a whole playlist and everything. Yeah. I, you couldn't catch me listening to anything outside of Skrillex when I was 14 years old. Mm -hmm. That was like the only, only like electronic kind of stuff I didn't listen to at all. But yeah. I don't know. It's cool how music appreciation just kind of changes throughout your whole life. You know? Oh, definitely. It's, I mean, when I... You can always find stuff you like about some sort of genre even genres even music i can't even understand the language yeah like r randomly started listening to a little mariachi it's <laughs> dope, yeah. dope i mean I, a... I i understand like you know two years of high school spanish worth of spanish mm -hmm. which is even then i was getting b minus c's mm -hmm. it was not that much spanish right but it's, it's you can still hear the music you can oh, still yeah. feel what the song is almost trying to convey definitely yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I have some friends that um, they they listen to a lot of music and they don't necessarily even know what the music is saying mm -hmm. uh, as far as the lyrics. For example, my parents growing up, 
didn't really know what all the music coming from the U.S. was saying, but they knew that they liked the music itself. Or, for example, I have a friend, like one of my friends who's from uh, Ghana, he, a lot of the music he listens to, like Afro music, is in Nigerian languages, like, for example, like Igbo or... Um, my or, bad. No, it's okay. Stepped on Daniel's foot. Um, but my, my point being is that they don't necessarily understand the 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 music or like I should say the lyrics but they do understand the music as in they can appreciate the music and stuff like that um and talking about your appreciation for electronic music uh when when I wouldn't say full appreciation it still okay. has to earn some respect okay I'm just joking <laughs> no but yeah no definitely yeah Go so on. I mean what one of the things I, I took a class in electronic dance music at school and uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just remember I just laughed because I remember you describing your professor as like an yeah. older lady teaching yeah, about yeah. like bass drops and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was so she was so awesome. I I, I loved her and that's awesome. And that's so cool. She totally gave us the 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 freedom to just experiment and just try out cool stuff for our projects and stuff. And that is the, so great. And the the coolest thing about it was I also oh by the way I also took last semester I took a class in sound synthesis which is also really cool and more related to how you make the individual sounds. But my point being is that. Um, the 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 appreciation that these professors have for these new crazy ways of of music is is so interesting because uh, I mean before when electronic music was really coming up and they were tr they were starting to make um, synthesized sounds right like they were trying to make sounds that didn't come from acoustic they were, instruments <clears throat> they were like created exactly yeah um, these these synthesized created sounds, electronically exactly yes. yeah. Um, they, uh, some people were, you, you might say, were trying to replicate acoustic sounds, trying mm -hmm. to make a sound that sounds like a guitar, trying to make a sound mm -hmm. that sounds like a piano. And how would they, how would they even start with that? Oh man. That's, I mean, just like you, you mentioned like before sometimes like sine waves and stuff. Oh uh, like, yeah. I okay. Mean, I talk in front of the time because I'm not, I, I, I can't even follow that. No, that's fair. <laughs> There's, I mean, for people, for anyone who might be interested in how you make sounds, definitely look up stuff like additive synthesis, amplitude modulation, frequency modulation, all that stuff will definitely, you'll, you'll see vi YouTube videos that will explain it 10 times better. I can modulation, man. Yeah. I it's just, just the ways people mess with uh, signals to make and replicate sounds. But my point being is that there's some people that were trying to make sounds that were more realistic. Whereas there was other people that were trying to make sounds, maybe even accidentally, um, that were a little bit more experimental, as in they didn't necessarily replicate a, a sound that, was, that people were already familiar with, rather it was something completely new. And... Um, I mean, you can now hear the extreme exaggerations of this in mm -hmm. things like dubstep. Uh, and ah, I see. Yeah, you know, I like see. You have these really, really like they're not they're not acoustic instruments by any it's means. Some, it's some stuff that you like cannot possibly create acoustically. Right. Yeah. It's just uh, it's, it's that. Wah, 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 wah. But that's the that's the freedom <laughs> you have now with today's technology. Like today's technology now allows you to do incredible. Uh, things with sound mm -hmm. both with like how you make sound how you um, even if you want recreate sound mm -hmm. or uh, or if you want to manipulate sound like we were talking before about all that stuff about echo and reverb and all you can do that so easily now and um, and you know I think I think that like I was saying that that just gives me a lot more of a chance to appreciate this type of really weird 
electro type music because who knows this could definitely end up being the uh how would you say the type of music that people study you oh know, yeah in the future right? exactly they're like talking about these new things that people thought sounded so weird sounded so like who, who, that's not what, like music like what, what's music gonna be in the future mm -hmm. like how much more like and i'm sure they said this you know from you know the 1700 from when music first started they can ask themselves like how could it progress more than this yeah but like how could music progress more than this like we're <laughs> literally creating like these crazy sounds what's the what's gonna be next bro it's just like a sound, just one sound. Just one sound. Like, this shit's banging, bro. Yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. The funniest thing was, <laughs> Who knows? Is, is that all of it can just be condensed to just waves and air, and that for some reason we really like that. Damn, I don't know why that thing's fuzzing out, but it's. I think uh, just talk closer to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some mic difficulties. We're running on that hundred dollar budget here at <laughs> the Orange House Studios, but it's okay. So we had a little technical difficulty there with actually both my mic and Daniel's mic, but we fixed them both. So Daniel, get back to what you were saying. Uh, yeah, so I was basically saying that the stuff we can do now with technology and music is just really fascinating. And um, just the fact that you can create some completely different sounds. Stuff you've never heard exactly. in a million years. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. I remember the first time I heard dubstep. Mm-hmm. I remember exactly where I was and like hearing it and just being like, what? Mm -hmm. Like to me at, at that age and like at that point, I, it didn't make sense to me. Like I didn't really get it. Yeah. You know, because I was just like, this isn't instruments. But I don't know. It's like, like I said earlier, it makes you wonder how much more can we go? Yeah. Well, I mean, people who are into music theory will probably be really quick to point out that a lot of the stuff that you hear, even though there's new sounds in, in, in new production methods or whatever you'd call it, um, they all still focus on the same, uh, the, you know, the, the patterns mm -hmm. are still very similar. Mm -hmm. Um, especially with people who are used to like regular American Western type music, like pop. Yeah. A lot of yeah, pop music follows that all a lot just of that follows from a lot of, um, a, a lot of European classical type stuff. I mean, it, it, it all just has repeated patterns. And if people like music like this, it will probably continue to yeah. repeat those patterns. Um, and I mean, just musical technology and just technology as a whole has kind of come some crazy way. Yeah. I mean, I mean, freaking phone going off. People. I mean, people ask themselves every single generation, how much more can we go? Yeah. You know, and it's like we've gone even just from 30 years of technology as a whole, you know, these computers that fill a whole building to now mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you can have a computer that's, I mean, we talk about our phones, but there's computers much smaller than our phones. Oh, that yeah. Are insanely powerful. Yeah. No, I mean, it's incredible. Just the stuff that you've been working on, I mean, with NASA, I, mean, I can imagine is. Actually, no. I heard something about, and I don't know how true this is, but like, I heard something about like our phones are more powerful in terms of like computing power or something than like what they send up to to, to into space. Like, is that true? Or like, is anything about that true? I think what people are trying to get at with that is that people, or at least the nature of NASA missions, because they depend on stuff working, right? They don't want anything to go wrong a lot of times new technology can have a lot of bugs and stuff. So what happens is that a lot of times they rely on older operating systems, older computers, older technology, because it has been proven to always work. Mm. 
So in, in that case, yeah, you might have a little bit of older technology going back up to, into space, but it's because it is very dependable, right? Like anyone who gets a new phone or installs any new operating system from Apple already knows that there's going to be bugs with it. Like, oh, yeah. like, you know, some people don't even want to do updates because, you know, they'll probably slow down their phone or mm-hmm. something like that. Like uh, the, the whole thing with uh, planned obsolescence is, is, is nuts. But Planned uh, obsolescence. It's just like the idea that, some companies. Oh, oh, I know yeah. exactly. But, so, but explain it, yeah. Yeah. So basically, they 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 have over time they plan the like degradation of yes, their product of their product much. so that you get the newest one at it, Apple. Yeah, Apple. <laughs> but uh, anyways, my my point being is that yeah, I, I can see where what you've heard about um, NASA projects like that. Um, I, I see where that comes from um, because like, like I said, the I mean, they still get the job done. Yeah, it no, definitely. It doesn't negate that fact, yeah. you know, but I mean, it, that's the, that's the fun part though, is that a lot of there are a lot of people working in like research and, and uh, working with new, the newest stuff. Like I think some people at Yale right now working with the quantum computers that IBM is making is just insane. Um, yeah, I've, I've I've heard it kind of explained of like what they. I just basically like what I what I can make out from it is that quantum computing is just it can it's like an astronomical amount of information that it can process in like a super short amount of time or something. Yeah, like that. it's just like yeah, they can do a lot of they can uh, calculate a lot of how would you explain it? Like basically like a bunch of parallel computing at once. Mm-hmm. So if I you see. have a ton of different options. And you have to find the solution. You can test a ton of solutions all at once. Because um, what I've heard is that it's a it's a problem for like the banking industry. Oh like, yeah, because of RSA cyber encryption. Cybersecurity. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. People could just run like a billion equations of like what's what's this guy's banking password, pin code, or whatever, and then just eventually get it because of the sheer power of quantum computing. Yeah. I mean RSA encryption. Yeah. I I don't. I'm not an expert on cybersecurity or anything. This is just like that, me paraphrasing what I heard. Yeah, no, you that's know, okay. It's as, yeah. as, it's as good as nothing. No, but you're <laughs> but you're definitely right. There are security concerns with that much computing power, specifically just for that type of stuff. Um, of course, regular processing might need to find another um, another avenue, just because quantum computing can't necessarily speed up all type of processing. Mm-hmm. Um, but for example, well, the thing is. is the the reason people are searching for like something new and that isn't necessarily what the stuff we have in our phones is today is because uh it's harder to go any smaller the reason these things are getting so powerful is because we can fit a lot more computing power onto a smaller amount of area and that's basically all it just has to do with these things called uh transistors basically the things that put the they're the ones that basically allow current to pass or not pass which like in computer science they consider it a one or a zero a high or a low so that's the actual thing that like creates like the processes of what goes on that's the information it's called binary which i know a lot of people have probably heard of Mm -hmm. um but all you're doing is you're just you're simplifying all the information you can ever see on your phone down to just ones or zeros in succession you know different like yeah yeah so um, but my, my point being is that the, as these things get smaller and smaller, it's harder to go any smaller because what happens is that it, it, they're really, really small distances that they're now making these transistors like, uh, sorry, I mean the, the width of these transistors. So like the distance across them, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, I, I think Apple was now boasting their no, new fancy chips that are now at like five nanometers, which is just insane. Uh, the actual full chip is that small? No, 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 no. One transistor. Distance. One oh, okay. tra yeah, the okay. distance across one transistor. But what happens is that when the distances get too, too small, people who are really into like quantum physics probably uh, know that you de have to deal Those with people that are really into quantum yeah. physics. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the well, limited amount of bill from down the street. <laughs> <laughs> the limited <laughs> amount of people that might have the patience to deal with something like quantum physics. But th those types of people would know that um, there's this weird phenomenon called quantum tunneling, basically that allows these uh, the electrons that carry the charge, electrical charge, to just pass over the gate pass through the gate, essentially teleport to the other side. The point is that the distances are so, so small that you got to worry about some really, really weird stuff. Some in order. nano shit happening. Yeah. Some, some nano I mean, it, stuff. Yeah, nano. I guess it really is on the nanometer scale. But uh, Some Jimmy Neutron problems. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't study that stuff. But uh, the point is is that then you just got to start looking for, for new, new ways of conveying, I guess, uh, I don't even know if I'd call it digital information at that point because who knows what the next thing will be. Dude, right? Um, but, my, but my point being is that it, it's so cool to see that there's uh, so much research going on into, um, into new types of, of technology like this. And oh, I mean, if I, I would love to get the chance to, to be a part of that as well. Yeah. I mean, is that, is that something that, <clears throat> is that something that you're in your field, you kind of know about, or would you have to be like, you have major training on it to do what, like working with transistors. I feel like that's something that's complete. I mean, well, you know, you're, you're building circuits already and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, is that anything, anything on the same scale? Yeah, I mean circuits and transistors and yeah. So circuits are I, I'm made. I'm a complete dumbass. No, that's okay. I don't know no, what the hell I'm talking it's about. Totally fine. Dude. But I'm, I'm, I think I'm talking about something. No, yeah. The <laughs> tra transistors are what make up circuits. So okay. when we make okay. circuits for like chips on landers or whatever rovers or that, I mean that all is is made with transistors. My only point being is that they're getting so small that it's mm -hmm. starting to become a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, and, and now the idea is like, oh, where do we go from here? Which I don't know. And that's the cool we're stuck. part. We're good. <laughs> well, we're, we're at the end. I mean, we were supposedly stuck before and we've yeah, come this far. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's, what's next, but it's exciting. And who knows? Maybe, maybe some, something in the future you'll be talking about in this podcast. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, dude, who knows? Who knows? So if I'm not living in a cardboard box, I'll be fine. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking, but no, seriously, it's, it's, dude, it is insane. I mean, like just thinking back 30 years ago in 1990s, mm -hmm. what, what technology was then. Yeah. And you know, it's the most cliche thing to say, like, Oh, how far it's come. But like, dude, it has come so far. Just the fact that like we've grown up, we've grown up always. We, we were in a weird time, you know, like it was 2000 was the year that both me and you were born. So yeah. like growing up, I never really like I didn't have a computer or anything really mm -hmm. until I was probably 12 or 13. And even then it was that big bulky thing you'd have like in the living room or whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden when like middle school came, that's when like everyone started getting phones. Mm -hmm. That was when like the iPhones were starting to be big. And like the first iPhone just blew me away. Yeah. I was like, you could, I mean, you have this thing in your pocket. You could play ga the games were the, the, the games, the, apps, the app bro. store, dude. Oh my, oh my gosh. It was like, it was like a candy store, dude. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. I would ask for iTunes gift cards. Yes. 
That was the thing you would get for Christmas. Yeah. Is like twenty dollars. Oh my gosh, I could get Call of Duty Zombies for five dollars on the App Store, and that was which one was of the most sick. That was <laughs> that was sick that they that they had like a Call of Duty Zombies emulator for for the iPod, and you can mm-hmm. play with people. Yeah, dude, it was very cool. I mean, yeah, you're totally right. The what technology has been able to do in the last. I guess what people have been able to do with technology, yeah, I should say, yeah. in the past few decades is just insane. I know that the people who study like computer science and uh, and maybe like electrical engineering and hardware and stuff probably know that like there's this thing called Moore's Law, which was really popular mm-hmm. at one point because... Some, I took chemistry once. Okay. Is that chemistry or physics? I, I took one I, class that, that I, said I would, Moore's Law one here or there. I mean, I'm <laughs> thinking of it more just from the perspective that the amount of... Uh, transistors. So the amount of computing power, I should say, just to just to make it more simple, the um, the amount of computing power every let's say eighteen months. So like about like a year and a half or so. Every year and a half, they would double between two thousand up until like I mean now we're in twenty twenty one. It's pretty. We're not that. Damn. Yeah, we're kind of. We're kind of off that train by now because it's just like I told you. It's, it's just it it's, can't get much faster. Yeah, almost. but but I mean, for but it can't. But for a good amount of time, it was, and that was incredible. I mean, the fact that you were seeing these things double in in transistors, essentially double in computing power to some extent every was, year. Yeah, every That's... year to to two years. Uh, like because I, I don't think people understand how insane that is when you just go just a few years into mm. it like for example if you just go 10 let, let's say it was every year like let's say it was every year that they doubled in 10 years you would expect to be one over a thousand times more powerful than 10 years ago right if you were to talk about 20 years right 20 years after doubling like that you're talking a million times more powerful <laughs> like i can't even think of a i can't think of anything that's a million right a million's a lot I can think of the number. That's it. If you can't it, think of like a million of anything. And if you want to go thirty years, right? Because computers have been a while for a bit, but now we're talking about a billion Get times. The fuck out of here. A no. billion seventy-three million. That is insane, though. Because yeah. like, you yeah, that thirty-year gap. I mean, nineteen nineties to two thousand twenty-one. That's. I, I mean, in the, like nineties was like internet era and stuff, but they had computers even before then. Well, even before then, I'm just saying yeah. from the from the nineties, this is probably close to a billion times. Would you imagine? I mean, that's insane. That's why. That's, that's why. That's crazy. Just because the '90s doesn't seem that long ago. I mean, I granted, I lived, I was born ten years after the '90s, mm-hmm. but which actually, if you think about it, that's kind of crazy. I didn't. It's not that long. It's not that long. Like you hear about all this stuff. Like I, I love history, and I hear about all this stuff. Oh, this happened in 1992. Yeah. Which seemed like oh, that was way before my time. That was only eight years before I was born. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. wild. I don't know. Yeah. That, that, that kind of stuff just weirds me out. No, I, yeah, same here. Time same here. is fuck. There's someone that could study time. Yeah, tell yeah. me, tell me how that shit works. There, I, I mean, there, just there gets are away people, from you. There are people that study that. Other what, people, what? psychologists that study the way we perceive time, and then there's, of course, there's people like uh, theoretical physicists that are more into like the actual uh, dimension of time. People who are into like string theory and stuff also love to mess with like spatial dimensions or like. Oh, what if there's more spatial dimensions? Horology is what it's called. What is that? The study of time. The study of time. I wonder what that means. Is that the way we think of time, or is that like how time is? I believe it's the, the way we perceive it's the it. The study of the measurement of time. Oh. So, like, 
All right, let's, this is interesting. Study of the measurement. Clocks. So the way okay. atomic clocks work? No, yeah. In current usage, horology refers mainly to the study of mechanical timekeeping devices, while chronometry more mm-hmm. broadly includes electronical devices. So basically these dudes work with clocks now. Okay. But it used to be more like... It used to be more... I mean, it used to be more prevalent when people would like, you know, didn't have like a universal unit of keeping time. Mm-hmm. I would imagine there was like some dude that was like, hey, this is how long a second is. Right. One one thousand. <laughs> there you, there you <laughs> one, go. One one thousand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One one thousand. Dude, th- that's kind of crazy though to think about like, how do we just agree that like, okay, it's, you know, January 1st, 1500. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we just agree? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that all has to do with, like, uh, way, way back then, it was all just based on, like, what you could see in the sky. Yeah. Right? So, like, when the sun comes up, when it goes, when it, when it goes back down, mm-hmm. that's, like, and then when it comes back around to the same point in the sky, that's a day. And then, um, and then as, and then there are seasons, and then once you complete all the seasons and come back, then that's, like, a year and stuff like that. Things with the moon has to do with, like, that's where the month comes from. My point being is that there were signs outside that you could actually look at that would help you keep time. And that's where like things like the Julian calendar and the Gregorian calendar all came from was the way people interpreted the things in the sky as like a year or a month or a day or stuff like that. And that's what, you know, we have today. And then today when you get into like the really specific like minute or second mm-hmm. or like millisecond. Yeah. Or um if you want, like, a uh, microsecond, Deca nanosecond. <laughs> okay, I don't know. Well, people I, don't using know. I, don't, I don't even know what that is. What that, is that? Uh, like deca? a tenth of a second? Yeah. I, I forgot if teca, deca is uh, or 10 giga, or giga a second. Um, is it What is giga? Is that... Giga's a million. million? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I thought mega. Mega, a million. Dude, what did I just say? You said giga was Oh, a giga's million. a billion. Oh. Sorry, my bad, my bad. Oh. Yeah, mega how is ma- a How long, estimate, how long is a billion seconds? A, I have no a giga idea. second. Are you kidding me? I have no idea. Uh, a billion is just too big of a number for me to even imagine. But yeah, deca, according to Google, is a tenth. How long or is a giga second? Let's com- see. Or deci is a tenth. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. This. Deca is ten. Get my this. Do you, think, do you think you've been alive for... Uh, do you think you've been alive for a billion seconds? No. By about how many years? I don't know, dude. It's it's got to be it's got to be more than than I would originally think. Just because it's almost exactly ten years more than you. Okay, Thirty-one point yeah. seven years yeah. for a billion seconds. So yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised. I, That's I, crazy. It is. But then crazy. how much is how much is ten million seconds? <laughs> is that something you're looking up? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Okay. <clears throat> okay. Here it's it's broken down. 10 million seconds mm-hmm. is 115 days. 10 million seconds is 115 days. Yeah. 10 million seconds is 115 days. Mm-hmm. A billion seconds is 31 years. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. Which is why, like I was saying with the Wait. stuff, the technology, if you double it, oh it's my insane. Gosh. Um, <laughs> Numbers scare me, bro. Numbers, numbers are really are cool. scary, dude. Yeah. No, they're not cool, man. They're they're scary. But that's like the numbers. fun part about it. Nah, dude. I'll, nah. <laughs> I'll stick to purely letters. letters. Sure we're going purely letters for now. I'm spelling out my numbers from here on out. Bro, the worst part about it is that computers just look at letters as numbers. So you can't yeah, really escape it's, numbers. It's, well, I'm not a computer. I'm a human being. You think technology will take over? Take over us? 
I don't know if in some way, shape, or form. Uh, it can definitely be used to harm, and if the harm is great enough, it could end the world. I, I think, sure hope uh, it doesn't. Think they be they become like sentient. What does that mean? AI become like I don't know, like self-aware. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> That's like just something that you always hear people like talk about, and it yeah. never seems it never seems real. Uh-huh. But then you see some videos of like some actual AI, and you're mm-hmm. like, that shit could probably take over the world one day. Like if it somehow figured out how to like change its own software and hardware mm-hmm. or something. I don't know, man. Yeah, no, I I see what you mean. As far as like the changing your own software, that uh, there's people already working with um, machine learning and yeah. these things called neural networks, which yeah, are basically no. trying to here. get that out of here. <laughs> Lock those people up. Get that technology out of here. But it, it, it's interesting because uh, if if used for our advantage, it can give you some really cool stuff. You know, and you know, again, I'm a certified dumbass. I don't know what I'm talking about, but dude, that just kind of like it seems very nice. But there has to be a failsafe. There okay. has to be some sort of like self-destruct, <laughs> like I don't know, kill switch. There has to be it has to be running on a plug mm-hmm. or something that you could pull. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I don't know. That's that's a little scary to me. I understand. Fa- yeah, Means I I think it is pretty creepy too. Would you have like okay if you had like an like an Amazon Alexa mm-hmm. say say the and because I don't trust Amazon I wouldn't really get I wouldn't get one of these if it was Amazon but if it was like some sort of non non scary robot mm-hmm. butler for your house would you get one uh, that how is that was self learning because it would because because it's self learning it could adapt to your lifestyle mm-hmm. and really help out yeah but it's self learning would you have that that thing in your house I can see you can name it. It could, it would probably make me uneasy at first, but then after a while, I'd probably get used to it. I'd probably get like, used to it too. But dude, that's like I get, I get, I get used to house, just though. like the the really basic stuff um, with like uh, tracking behavior that you get, especially with like ads, right? Like yeah, on, dude. Like, I hate, yeah, yeah. Where you like look up something on Amazon, you buy it, and suddenly all you see is just that, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Or um, you don't even buy anything. You just like, dude, have you ever, no, 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 no. Sorry to cut you off. No again, worries. Again, this is the theme of the podcast. <laughs> but have you ever had, have you ever literally just had a thought and, and you get an ad for the thought? Well, I, I mean, I don't know about Like, the- I, I didn't look up anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't, you know, say, say, say I am, uh, I'm driving in my car and all of a sudden I think to myself, like, dang, like a donut sounds really good right now. And I don't, I don't search donuts. I don't say the word donut. I don't do anything. And then I look at my phone and I'll get an ad for like donuts. Mm-hmm. I that has happened to me on multiple occasions. No way. I swear. And you never said that out loud. I have ne- no. And I'll be completely alone in my car. And and dude, that's never happened to you. Mm-hmm. I've, ta- I've talked to other people where it's happened to them. Yeah. Where it's just like pure thought, dude. They they they're in my brain. Yeah. They're that's in my so brain. interesting. I mean, I don't know if I've had something like that before but i i do remember one time i was so i told you i think on the last podcast we talked about how i used to work with like uh the ground control stations for uavs so basically like big drones like planes that fly themselves and Mm. and, uh and there was one time where i was going to visit headquarters and um and then when i was there uh as like a thank you gift one of the people gave me like this nice um those like a uh, water flask. Things. Yeah. It's called the Yeti. Uh, you know, they're super popular and they're 
like absurdly expensive. I don't know if they're worth it, but the point was I was happy to have one. Yeah. So I got back to where I was working at, at another location. And when I got back, I was telling people about how I got this nice water bottle with like the company's logo and stuff on it and stuff. I thought it was really cool. So then, uh, and then I, and then I think, I believe it was Instagram. I opened up the Instagram feed and there was an ad for Yeti. A brand I had never heard of until then, even though it is really popular now. I hadn't heard about it back mm-hmm. then. And and I had only spoken it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't I I didn't really believe it, so I made sure to screenshot it so I wouldn't forget. Because yeah. I knew that if I thought back on it, I'd probably sketch myself out and be like, Oh, maybe I searched it up at yeah. some point. Or maybe Yeah, um, but you knew in that moment like I did not. No, and that's why I screenshotted it and it was like, okay, I'm not gonna forget this one. Yeah. Because this is so interesting to me. Like how did they get this? Were they listening and at what point Did that and, lead to you getting rid of Instagram? No, but that, that was different just that was just like I just didn't want to waste time on it. Yeah. I, I ended up just archiving all my posts, uh taking away like the bio and whatnot and uh, it was just, it, it was just like a, I was spending too much time on it and it's, and I've honestly enjoyed the time I've had without it just oh, because it imagine. allows me to just focus on what I'm doing at the moment. It doesn't even have to be like work related. Like, yeah, it helped me out because if I'm getting something done, it's nice not to look at your phone every mm-hmm. two seconds. But even besides that, let's say I'm on like vacation or something. Some people will still pull out their phone and see what their friends are up to instead of like this to some extent allows me to be more in the moment mm-hmm. and more and enjoy what I'm doing at that moment. It's one less thing to be looking at your phone for. Exactly. You know? Now, of course I will knowing myself, I will find other ways to do it. The one that has always been the worst is YouTube. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I watch way too much YouTube on anything I can imagine. I love to watch videos that will literally melt my brain because they are so crazy. So cool. Just <laughs> like on, the <laughs> I love to watch the stuff that will literally just make me think. It's funny. This just make me think. Usually people, usually people go to YouTube to be just like, I just want to be entertained and relaxed. Uh, Yeah, Daniel's like, I want to (laughs) think. I want to, I want to be challenged in my. Yeah, I just finished my my shift at NASA. Let me be challenged on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I get. Yeah, no, I mean, I I definitely also like love to. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's it's your your form of relaxation. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. it's 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 different for people. Different people, you know. I watch one thing. I watch is this dude who just like he uh, travels to like. Yeah, we can't turn on the air because it's uh, well the microphones pick that up. We're almost done here. No worries. One dude I I listen to though on YouTube is this one guy who just travels around the world mm-hmm. and just films. He just travels alone and films it. Okay. He goes to like the most random countries, like all these post-Soviet countries, and like. South America. He's just this random white dude from, from Britain. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> and, it, and he's just, I don't know. He's like, he goes to some insane places, like insanely, like not necessarily some of the safest places too. Mm-hmm. Just walks around, just film, like meets people kind of just like films his travel. And I always watch him and end up, uh, I usually end up falling asleep like, like at night watching that. Mm-hmm. But it's always kind of pleasant. I don't know. It's called bald and bankrupt. Interesting. Yeah. So what else is going on kind of in the space science world? I don't know. You're more well-versed in what's going on there. Um, I don't know. I guess a lot of people are talking about these billionaires going to space right now. Billionaires going to space. Yeah. Like, I've heard uh, something about Jeff Bezos, but yeah, not billionaires. Yeah. Okay. So I guess, is it Richard Branson? A name, I, I'm not familiar with this guy, but supposedly something to do with Virgin Galactic going up into 
supposed space. He's above like what the Air Force considers space, but not necessarily at the same level as like the, the international agreed upon mm-hmm. um, level for space. But I, I was recently listening to this. I don't know if you ever heard of Neil deGrasse Tyson, a, f- a famous yes, astro- uh, astrophysicist, and um, he he was just kind of putting it in in into perspective. So if you've got like you know how you think of a globe that's like about a foot across. Yeah. Yeah. So if you think about what they just did, uh, they really only went a fifth of a centimeter. Let's say like a fraction of an inch, less than that, right? I mean, a, a centimeter itself is a fraction of an inch. So so it's it's only it's just a little bit. Like I mean, I'm trying to think of something that that uh, that would be just that small. Like uh, let's say the like the the width of like a MP3. Like I'm looking at the mic right now, right? Yeah. Like the 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 little jack that you use. For yeah, that. The yeah. Thing that, the thing that you plug into a headphone jack. Yeah, that's like one. that's like about as high as as they're going, right? Yeah. And then if you think of like the International Space Station, which is that thing that goes around where the astronauts kind of hang out and do their research at, that's only about like a centimeter off the off your your foot globe mm-hmm. off the surface from from sea level. Wow, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's not as high as you would really think. Mm-hmm. Um, most people are are imagining these guys going off off into space. Like for example, like what the astronauts did on the Apollo missions to the moon. Now that is is nuts because uh, like it, if if the it, if the International Space Station is only a centimeter off our foot big or uh, foot long globe, then the moon would be thirty feet away, or let's say about like wow, 10, yeah, ten ten yards. Wow. So so let me just rephrase this. So sure, you have a globe that's about. A foot in circumference, not circumference, no. but diameter. Diameter, yeah. A foot in diameter. So, where these guys are planning on going is mm-hmm. about a centimeter off of off of the surface of that globe. In, More in, like in a sk- fifth, sk- because if I'm I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think they're going about fifty miles above <laughs> the Earth's surface, and then you have something like the International Space Station that's at more like two hundred fifty miles above the surface, and then you have uh, the Moon. Which is roughly like it, the distance changes a little bit, but roughly on average two hundred fifty thousand miles oh, wow. away. How long did it take them to get there the first time? Like a few days? I think so. I don't know if, if they really they went there. <laughs> yeah, but my point being is that those missions are 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 much farther out into space than uh, than what these billionaires are doing, which is doesn't mean that what they're doing isn't cool. Yeah. It is very cool that they're actually commercializing space flight. It's just, um, in terms of like the scientific achievement, it's, it's, you know, there, are, there are other missions that I think also compare like for mm-hmm. like, I mean, if we're even talking about like the Mars missions, right. Uh, it, let's go back to our example of like the foot long globe, mm-hmm. the, a regular globe. And, and, and these guys go in, you know, a fifth of a centimeter off the surface, internationalization a centimeter off the, the moon being 30 feet away from this globe. Well, in that case, Mars would be about a mile away. Jeez. So <laughs> the difference between just the moon and Mars, you know, yeah. and a, a relatively close planet to us, you know, we're not talking about Jupiter, Saturn, yeah, no, you know, Neptune, none of that, right? It's something fairly close to us, and yet it's that far away. It's insane to think about. Yeah, I mean, just the, I don't know, just the sheer volume of space. Oh, it's incredible. 
I mean, it's, it's impossible to think about. Yeah. You know? But I mean, that's the stuff that, that I, I personally just uh, love. I think on the last podcast you mentioned just the, the vastness of space. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we, we, we briefly talked about how um, astronomers use that to kind of uh, peek back into time. Yeah. You know, because they're either looking at light coming from so, so far away that has traveled so long to reach our eyes. You know, if we're talking about something from 10 million uh, light years away, then it's 10 million years ago that we're seeing these stars. Mm-hmm. You know, chances are, I mean, there's a very, very, very high chance that those stars aren't even there anymore. Right. Mm. But uh, but the fact that we get to look back at what was there, you know, a long, long time ago is really cool because it only just broadens our understanding of the universe. Um, but I don't know. I eat that stuff up, honestly. No, dude, I mean, I, you're not alone. There's a lot of... I, I eat it up when I can understand it, you know? Yeah, well, same here, because some of that stuff gets so complicated, and it's so hard to understand and wrap my mind about, especially if I just don't have the background to understand uh, all the terminology they're using and all the all the background that they have on it um, I don't know man it's it gets intense real quick but uh, just being able to understand just a little bit about it just kind of is it's good enough usually to like pique someone's interest mm-hmm. I know what you mean well it's always a pleasure talking to you. you always can you never fail to keep me interested honestly thank you there's a there, there's yeah there's so much value that's interesting that it's kind of hard to even focus on one thing because there's you you know a lot about everything <laughs> or most of everything, and then it's like the stuff that you're really interested in. It's like you, you that's your life. It's really cool to get to see that when I get when I talk to you, man. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it, and it's been it's been a real pleasure for me to be a part of this podcast. Um, I mean, I, I'm definitely one of the. Uh, loyal listeners that loves to hear what goes on here so it's definitely a really cool experience to be a part of it you know Mm -hmm. definitely well thank you man and pretty soon uh pretty soon dom will be back and we can get back to like the normal type of broadcasting Mm -hmm. that that everyone seems to love uh the orange house but we're going to be meeting meeting him in vegas next week so who knows what who knows how it's going to who knows what kind of what kind of activities are going to ensue? Yeah, it's gonna but be fun. Once again, man, thank you for thank you for coming on, and uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. All right, well, thank you so much for having me. Like I said, and uh, you know, I will always be more than happy to come back on whenever you need me. Of course. Well, then thank you everybody for listening in, and we will see you guys next time. <laughs>